We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. Welcome to my crib. Uh, this is our first live show uh, coming to you from my own house uh, in my own home studio as opposed to my in-laws uh, spare bedroom. So uh, appreciate them for letting me record uh, in the studio for the last three months right on the dot. Uh, you know, got my Internet up and ready from uh, yesterday. So uh, happy to be here. Happy to talk some uh, Charger football with my guys, Tyler. And Alex, Alex, what's up, man? We'll start with you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Prepare for the dark circles under my eyes to get only larger <laughs> as they get flexed into Sunday night football again, which is great for the team and not great for me. Uh, but we will get through it. And please let this be the last one. If you flex the Titans game, so help me God. Um, but yeah, overall, great game and Raiders week. So family trust respect. Yes, as always, family trust, respect, uh, you know, have to do a big this week. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we we will talk about, of course, the decision to flex the Chargers and Dolphins game into Sunday Night Football. But I also imagine that the Rams game gets uh, flexed out of Sunday Night Football later on. Uh, but again, we'll discuss that down the road. Tyler, what is up, man? How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing much better. Uh, turns out when you're sick for about an entire week, that once you're not sick anymore, you feel uh, pretty good. Yes, it is family trust respect week, but in my particular family, it's family trust, and then one of us gets depressed by the end of the week. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, it's been about 50-50 during the season for a while now, but hopefully the Chargers can sweep the Raiders this week. 
It's uh, just you and your dad going this time uh, this weekend, or is the whole family going to go again? Well, it's in Vegas, so we won't be going. Oh, but, yes, well, that's right. But still watching and, and sitting next to each other on the couch is going to be awkward. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, as somebody who was also sick last week, I uh, totally know what that that feeling of like finally getting 100% healthy feels like. That was for me uh, Monday, where I felt like I could actually like get back to normal and feel like functioning again. So uh, glad you're doing well, my guy. Appreciate it. Feeling good. So uh, let's let's talk about that decision, of course, from the uh, NFL to flex the Chargers uh, into Sunday Night Football against the Miami Dolphins. So, um, you know, it's an interesting takeaway from a league-wide perspective. I mean, usually they try and get more Patrick Mahomes uh, on national television. So uh, the league opting instead for Justin Herbert versus Tua Tagovailoa. I'm sure there's going to be some very level-headed takes on Twitter all day long leading up to and after that game. Uh, but Tyler, your reaction and thoughts to uh, that decision to get that game on uh, Sunday Night Football? Oh, extremely unhappy and so worried because <laughs> I feel like this Dolphins team is going to steamroll the Chargers on Sunday Night Football and we're going to hear about it from everybody because Tua is going to throw 47 interceptions, but they'll somehow win somehow. Herbert will throw 87 touchdowns and lose. And we're still going to hear about how, you know, Tua is the better quarterback. I mean, listen, I'm rooting for Tua. I have always rooted for Tua. I took him on the redraft episode that we did, um, even over someone like Joe Burrow. Granted, that was after the first season, not the Super Bowl run. Um, I want him to succeed. I hope he doesn't for one day. Regardless, it's going to be the most toxic environment possible. If the Chargers lose that game, I will just avoid Twitter and, you know, like a sore loser, I'll probably just block uh, half a Dolphins Twitter <laughs> as well. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, going to be one of the worst days of the year on social media. Um, honestly, might just, you know, mute everybody. So, you know, Emmanuel Acho said he'll retire if the Chargers win. So I guess that it could be some uh, potential other incentives. Uh, and was just being super weird on social media, weirder than usual. Uh, anyway, so Alex, your thoughts here on uh, the Chargers uh, ending up getting flexed uh, against the Dolphins in a few weeks or next week, I guess. I think the Broncos offense being so unwatchable <laughs> that they had to flex out Patrick Mahomes is the real takeaway here because, oh my God, like they, the NFL didn't want to do that. I think they flexed Broncos Chiefs into Sunday Night Football one time last year. Um, yeah, when Teddy was, was still around, yeah. yep. If I remember correctly. So they think that Teddy Bridgewater, more watchable than Russell Wilson, which is the takeaway <laughs> this season. Um, but overall, uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be an absolute toxic shit show, but I am ready for it. Uh, I cannot wait for this game. Uh, actually, well, I can't wait for this game because the Chargers <laughs> probably will get past this kick, like Tyler said. Uh, but hoping for the best. And, you know, for all the uh, advanced analytics that will be done uh, about win-loss records, uh, I guess this will go, this will craft a lot of narrative building. This this game is kind of like if sort of like a primetime version of the Herbert Burrow game the Chargers did last year. Uh, and the Chargers won that one, right? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> people get to have fun on Twitter uh, afterwards. What was it? Like 41 to 20 last year. Uh, so mm -hmm. hoping for a bit of a repeat in this. Uh, this is the is this the second Herbert Tua matchup? No, because Tua didn't play in that first one. It was oh. it was uh, it was Fitzpatrick still. Right? Did it? it? I thought it was Tua. 
I think he did play. I think that was the one the Dolphins won in Miami. I yeah. Oh, yeah. When Keenan Allen was like, no yeah, we were a little confused that day. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I think that was the first Herbert to a game. OK, I, I thought that, that was still Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I think you guys now that you're saying it, it, it was actually yeah. to a even though it seems like 40 years ago. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> basically was. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm uh, excited for this game in terms of what it will be. Um, please let this, for God's sakes, be the last Sunday night football game that they flex. <laughs> um, they still have the Chargers Colts Monday night football too, right? And, yeah. And there's Are no they? getting, there's yeah. no getting out of that one, sadly. Um, but yeah. yeah, overall, yeah, this should be a good game. Not into whatever toxic narrative building will happen, but uh, I guess it could be a fun day on Twitter if things go right for the Chargers. Yeah, I, I have a friend who did uh, medical school in Miami, so he's he's become a Dolphins fan. Um, he's not quite as insufferable as as the rest of them on social media about it, but you know, he messaged me and was like, this is awesome. I can't wait to watch this game. And I'm like, I definitely can. I definitely do not want to watch this Chargers defense play against Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Tua and whatever they do on the ground. So, um, you know, I think this is obviously a good opportunity for the team. I think this is good for the offense because for whatever reason, they're so much better on primetime than they are in regular games. So I don't know how I feel about the result overall. Um, but I think this will kind of elevate the offensive performance a little bit more. Um, hopefully at that point, Mike Williams is back on the team as well. So I feel we should feel okay about the offensive performance, but, uh, the defense will definitely be in for a, a tough spot next week. Yeah. I'm just not mentally ready. This one, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'd go as far as to say it's kind of a must win too, um, depending on how things play out. I I think at the very least, assuming they beat the Raiders, which is an assumption considering what Josh Jacobs just did, you probably have to win at least one of the two of uh, the Dolphins Titans uh, split that they have going on there. So yeah, um, yeah, especially because wildcard positioning, if you know the Bills uh, get back to leading that division at some point. Then the Chargers are competing with the Dolphins for that wild card still, like the rest of the AFC East. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a huge one. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to call it a must win, just depending on what happens this week. But, I mean, the Chargers absolutely have to win two of their next three games. That was that was the mission that we kind of you know laid out a couple of weeks ago, was that over the Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins, and Titans game, that this team had to go 3-1 and one in order to you know keep pace in the playoff picture. So um we'll see what happens if they lose on sunday against the raiders then it absolutely is a uh must win game so uh you know we'll get to that point when we when we uh cross that bridge but um obviously have to talk about this uh chargers and raiders matchup as we always do we will be discussing some uh injury news unfortunately um i mentioned mike williams briefly uh it does sound like he has a pretty good chance to play next week um you know it, it feels a little bit more 50 50 this week um that's kind of how it's been for the last little bit but um really the news that i want to focus in on here is the joey bosa news that daniel popper shared uh yesterday with me and then kind of they got some more clarity today um brandon staley saying today that um joey is still a a few a ways away or i I can't remember exactly how he worded it but um he's still some time away from practicing um obviously this week this friday is eight weeks from the surgery i think it might be nine weeks i can't remember exactly 
Um, but you know, he's still a ways away from practicing, which obviously means, you know, he's, he's not going to be on the field in a game, um, for at least, you know, they want at least a full week of practice for him. So, um, it sucks, man. There was always just like that glimmer of hope that Joey Bosa was going to be coming back and, and, you know, not saving the defense, right. But, you know, having a huge impact and being able to bring that pass rush and the run defense that this team desperately needs. I feel like we should kind of be taking the approach that we shouldn't expect to see him uh, until we do. So I'm kind of done putting like the timeline on it and like, well, if he comes back for the final four games or the five, the final five games or whatever, I'm just, if he plays great, but I'm at the point where I'm just kind of not expecting him to return at this point. Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't say not return, but I, I think at this point, like you said, I'm when it happens, awesome. He's obviously working back. If I tore my groin as bad as he did, I would quit life. Um, I would go do something <laughs> else. Anything that involves me sitting down and doing nothing. Um, so I know he's working back and he's played through some injury before, but that's a tough one. You know, December was kind of my first look at like, okay, wh- where's Joey Bosa? At? And technically we're not in December, but that's tomorrow. And we're at the point where he's not even really close to returning. To me, it just sounds like if the Chargers are in it and they have a chance to go on a run, in particular a postseason run, and he can come back for the final couple of games, get in there for the wild card game, kind of more full by that point, I think that's something that he would do. But at this point, if the Chargers are knocked out of contention, let's say they lose to the Dolphins, they lose to the Titans, and I don't know, lose it some other game or whatever um and they're obviously going to be out of it i don't see him returning um it's a tough injury it was a devastating one to begin with and at this point you know he's closer but the him getting close is taking a very long time yeah um i I mean this was kind of i guess i almost want to say always going to be the case with joey bosa and this particular injury because this isn't like oh you know joey bosa has a concussion or oh we have to monitor his hamstring this is the first time i believe in his pro career that he's ever had mid-season surgery um so i mean in terms of a torn groin and trying to come back from that uh in addition to the chargers just having to be careful with that in general because you don't want joey bosa coming back and potentially re-aggravating that injury with the amount of injuries they've already had that have been re-aggravated this year. Uh, Well, I mean, I think that's why the Chargers are opting for a more conservative approach. And like, you also need to make sure that Joey Bosa is, you know, as close to 100% as he can be. Because, I mean, if you put Joey Bosa with a torn groin out there, like, there's part of that that, like, yeah, it's probably still better than Kyle Van Noy. But uh, if Joey Bosa doesn't have full access to his mobility and, you know, all that, it's going to, you know, look bad out there. And Joey Bosa has to make sure his, you know, conditioning is uh, 100% or up to par before he's thrown out there. Um, So, yeah, I I think the big thing is, yeah, it's disappointing, but I I do think the Chargers specifically have to play it this way uh, with where they are with Joey Bosa right now. If this was more of a, you know, monitoring a soft tissue injury, like the Chargers kind of have been with a few players this year, would be one thing. Um, but Joey Bosa is, I think, one of the only Chargers that has had midseason surgery and is attempting to come back, aside from Sean Slater, uh, with the torn bicep, potentially, uh, which Ian Rappaport said. But yeah, uh, really, Slater's the only one who's kind of 
had a surgery that could have potentially been season ending and is trying to come back from that uh, in terms of this torn groin. So um, it's, you know, I think it was always going to be a little bit more arduous than people thought. Yeah, you absolutely have to be cautious with Joey Bosa. I mean, he's he's going he he is the linchpin of the defense along with Derwin James in terms of everything that was supposed to happen this year and everything that's going to happen in the future. Like Joey Bosa is the second best player or arguably the best player uh on the defense and he he certainly plays, you know, the the most premium position in, in rushing the passer. So um, you know, you absolutely be careful in this situation with Joey Bosa. And the last thing you would want him to do is have to have another surgery or something like that in the off season because he re-aggravated and came back too soon. Um, so I, I understand that part for sure. It's just been, you know, like, like I mentioned, there's, there's always been like that, that glimmer of hope, like, okay, Joey Bosa, like potentially coming back at some point. And, you know, now like best case scenario, sure. Like maybe he's back for the Titans game, maybe kind of start practicing next week gets a full week of practice the week after that. And then he's back for the Titans game. But, you know, it's just like, what's, what's the, the realistic outcome at this point that he plays the final two games against the, the Rams and the Broncos. And then the season's over. Like if they don't make the playoffs, I, I don't know if Joey Bosa would sign up for that. I don't know if he should sign up for that. So it's just been a, a frustrating situation. And I'm, I'm sure he's more frustrated about it than any of us or anyone, any other fan are for sure. Yeah, I think that's the first time I've I get on really I'm not on Instagram. I certainly don't follow, you know, all these players and their social media posts. But I feel like the first time I've seen Joey Bosa go out of his way to try to update the fans like listen, I'm really yeah. trying. I'm trying so hard to get back. It's just it's taking a while a while. So this is this is a, a big thing, obviously. Yeah, I uh I follow Joey Bosa on Instagram, but he only posts like whenever he's gaming, which is usually in the summer. And it just so happens that this time around he gets to play video games because he's he's injured. So uh basically, you know, that's the only time he posts on Instagram. Some NFL players play video games when they're healthy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Did you see the exchange between Kyler Murray and Patrick Peterson from today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that one was interesting. Yeah, goodness gracious. That. Uh, I mean, we could have done a, 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 a real deep dive into the state of the Arizona Cardinals last week, but that's a that's a dicey situation. So, um, obviously, we'll uh, you know we'll move on here and talk about some of the other injuries. Hopefully, we can. Uh, finally get some uh, pass rush uh, performances from the other people not named Cleo Mack on the edge. That'd be fantastic. So um, other injuries, uh, Michael Davis did practice in full today, which was uh, a good sign for him practice being limited last week. Um, kind of sounds like everybody uh, that people were kind of freaking out about how many starters were on the injury report. But, um, you know, Brandon Staley did make it seem that, you know, Bryce Callahan, Derwin James, um and really those two mostly were kind of getting a, a rest day along with Khalil Mack. So um other injuries, you know, Trey Pipkins did not practice with his knee injury. Would not really expect to see him this week against the Raiders as he deals with that knee injury again. Um and then Nasir Adderley did return to practice with his thumb injury. He does have a like a club situation going on. Um we've seen other NFL players be able to play with that, but uh you know a safety dealing with a club on his hand not being able to like wrap up like not being able to catch the ball uh, i i don't know if i would do that and you know lohi given played really good on sunday so i'm I'm cool with that 
That is okay. The storyline is the offensive linemen that are hurt, but <laughs> but I'm very curious what they do with Nasir Adderley because, well, first of all, you have to take the right angle to make the tackle, and yeah. you do have to get close enough. And you know, one arm and a club is certainly better than completely whiffing. So he does have to get there. Um, and the last time we saw him play, it was he was not getting there. Um, but I'm very curious what they do with him because they have benched him before. Gilman did play even not just like to his level, like beyond that as a safety in the NFL, he played a good game. I'm very, very curious what they do with him because what I, I mean, if Adderley has one hand that is not functioning right now and he has a club on it and you have to make these game saving tackles on Josh Jacobs, I don't know if that's the guy you want out there even though everything else by all accounts is fine and works and he can run and do everything. I don't know. I, I'm really curious what they do because they benched him before and this isn't really a benching, but it's kind of a convenient excuse too. Yeah. Alex and I kind of talked about Nasir Adderley last week, but, um, and Alohi Gilman that was, that is as well. But, you know, I, I said this on, on Twitter yesterday. I, I want to retroactively give Alohi Gilman a, a stud of the day because I thought that he, genuinely was really solid and like not just like solid for Alohi Gilman like a solid legitimate safety and so you know we've seen him have the two best starting safety performances alongside Derwin James of the season this year so for me I'm I'm cool with Alohi Gilman starting the rest of the season and, and you know last week I said it's like I, I know with Alohi at least if he's going to make a mistake he's gonna do it and, and he's gonna fly to the football and he's going to give everything he possibly can. Like, we just haven't seen that same kind of effort that we would like to see from Nasir Adderley. You know, I know that Alohi Gilman is going to be around the football and good things have, have tended to happen because uh, of him playing more snaps. So he's definitely limited in coverage. He's definitely limited in terms of like playing the deep half of the field. But I know what I'm getting as a run defender. I know what I'm getting in the box. I know what I'm getting as a communicator and from an effort standpoint. So uh, I thought Alohi Gilman was good on Sunday, and I think that he should be the starter from here on out. Yeah, I mean, you might be swinging for, you know, some of these upside players, but I even think when you see with someone like Michael Davis, is he an upside guy over J.C. Jackson? No, but look how he's played over the last, you know, few weeks or whatever since J.C.'s been out or got benched or whatever like what 30 yards a game against some very very good passing offenses you know is, is Braden Fajoko you know a more dynamic you know higher upside player than Otito or some of these other guys maybe not but he's very scheme sound and that's very helpful to them right now you know what is Kenneth Murray like the highest ceiling linebacker on the team absolutely he's not getting there right now and someone like Troy Reader could really come in and while he doesn't have that ceiling sometimes they just need someone who's very good to the scheme same with Alohi Gilman and the way he played. Like, was he getting interceptions and sacking the quarterback and doing these crazy things? Did it take him forever to trigger and run downhill because he's not the fastest player? Yeah, but he did recognize it. He did trigger downhill. And there are several plays in a row where he made some really good plays against the run, against quick wide receiver screens. And they kind of just need a scheme sound group of players. And I know Adderley has the higher ceiling. And that's why it is tough to just say, oh, we should you know, just have Gilman out there. But at the same time, if Gilman is giving you even just average to above average, I'll take that over the, the peaks and the valleys of, you know, what could potentially lose you games when Adderley's completely out of position like he was against the Chiefs. 
Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing there is just stability, you know, kind of like Tyler said, you know, which is sort of why maybe you prefer like a reader over a Murray, uh, you know, on certain snaps uh, and certainly a, a Gilman over an Adderley in terms of what it's been recently. Um you know, the injury and the convenience of it potentially playing Alohi in that scenario. Uh, I, I think that that's something that probably the coaching staff has thought about, but I'll just be curious to see, you know, depending on Adderley, if he wants to wear a club of this game, uh, I, I, I think that probably means he's pretty far away from playing, maybe not far away, but probably another week away. Um, but disappointing in terms of not, getting to see what you want from Adderley in terms of, you know, what his future on this team is uh, in terms of seeing that breakout or potential this year, uh, which we really haven't seen to this point. So, um, you know, definitely wanted to see that. But at this point, like Alohi Gilman is the player that gives them the best chance to win. That doesn't mean he's the second coming of Adrian Phillips, you know, playing alongside Derwin James. But, you know, he's not making the big mistakes that Nasir Adderley has been making and occasionally will come up with a fumble recovery, occasionally will come up with an interception, right? Like, I just think the upside he gives you by not being a net negative is, is, is crucial to this team, especially with the state of the defense in other areas right now. I was not prepared for an Adrian Phillips standpoint. Uh, shout out today. Uh, I was not mentally prepared for that at all. Well, you broke Steven. Nice. Oops. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but Matt, in, all, in all seriousness, I'm excited to see what Alohi can do from here on out because I think, you know, if he can kind of stabilize that spot, then next year you'll feel a little bit more comfortable about not having to rely on a JT Woods breakout back there, you know, that gives them some, a little bit more flexibility, um, dependability for sure. And then obviously they can, they can add to the room uh, as well, whether that's another draft pick or a free agent or something like that. Um, all right. Tyler mentioned the offensive lineman. I did mention Trey Pipkins already, obviously have to talk about Corey Lindsley here as well in concussion protocol. Um, I, there wasn't a really firm update on Corey Lindsley and where he stands with his concussion, but, just based off of like how everything has kind of transpired around the league and concussions this year. I don't know how much I would expect Corey to be ready to play this week uh, against the Raiders. So, um, you know, potentially dealing with again, um, you know, will clap at center and then foster Sarrell at right tackle against this uh, Raiders defense. Yeah. Big Jerry to revenge game. Have the charges that anybody <laughs> um, have a concussion and then play that same the following week. They haven't had a many. It's been two Palmer, two Parham, or one Parham. No, because because Palmer. Well, I don't know if Palmer because Palmer's concussion happened in this in the second preseason game, right? Mm -hmm. And then he didn't play in the final preseason game. But I don't remember if that was because you know, like he was a starter or whatever, or if he actually was still dealing with the concussion. I don't think they've done it this year, but I want to say Asante Samuel Jr. came back yeah. last year. Mm -hmm. um, Joey Bosa in an instance. His first one. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's happened this year, though. So Bosa got Bosa left the Bengals game. Was that a verified concussion or was that them like with the rules and everything like that? I don't remember. I feel like that one, they said that he could actually have gone back in, but Staley sat him out knowing his history with concussions and not wanting to risk 
something else. I feel like I remember applauding Staley for holding Bost that, out because that does sound right. Okay. Because I don't remember if he, I, I couldn't remember. I remember him leaving, and then I don't remember like, I remember him playing the next week, but I, I couldn't remember mm-hmm. like what happened in between there. Um, I do think that Asante was concussion and then played the first like the first time i think he played the next game Mm -hmm. so this season i don't think i don't think it's happened yet yeah and i don't expect Corey lindsley out there is it would be it would be nice obviously i don't know if this is like a game to have to force him back out there i don't like completely fear the raiders interior um but it's still still would help a lot um yeah the I was just going to say, I I, I don't fear the Raiders interior, but it's hard to look at, you know, the metrics that Arjun and Steven have been posting of like when Corey Lindsley has been on the field versus when he's been off the field uh, in terms of EPA per play and all those metrics. Like, I mean, and I I guess that is what you expect, right? You're going from an all pro, uh, you know, center caliber player to somebody who is, you know, a, a replacement level center in the league. Right. Uh, in terms of going from Lindsley to Clapp. But yeah, that in this particular game, combined with the fact that Foster Cyril is, is probably going to be out there. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's 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 not a recipe for success, not to mention, I mean, you have Jamari Salier, who, I mean, has regressed a little bit in the last couple of weeks compared to how he started. So, I mean, and well, Filer, um, which has been a problem, you know, all season. So instead of the chargers having like five really good spots, they probably have like two and a half right now based on like the injuries and everything and just player regression um, in terms of what you've seen from Byler this year and Zion Johnson himself probably being up and down the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think you like need Corey Lindsley out there, but if he can play and he passes concussion protocol, like I, I don't think this is a game where you can afford to not play him necessarily because of how the rest of the offensive line is. Not to mention Chandler Jones finally woke up uh, and he had eight pressures and three hits last game. <laughs> so if you're dealing with that yeah. and Max Crosby, um, that could potentially be game set match right there. Yeah, I think if there were a game that I would not prefer but a game that i would feel okay not having Corey lindsley in it would be this week just not from a personnel standpoint but the raiders do not blitz like that's that's really been the biggest issue for will clap is that um in all of the games that he's had to play a lot in the other teams have been able to say hey like we're we're gonna mug everything up in the a gaps and just try and make this backup center uh you know figure it out and whether that was the Chiefs game or the Jaguars game or last week against the Cardinals, they just have not been on the same page. The, the pass protection plans have not been nearly as good as when Corey Lindsley is in there. So, you know, I, I've said this. I think Will Clapp does some good things. I think he's a fine backup center. Um, you know, I, I think his individual performances are fine. Um, it's just that whenever teams send like high end pressures against Will Clapp and you know, this Chargers offensive line, instead of Corey Lindsley, they just don't diagnose them at the same kind of level. And that's understandable. I mean, Corey Lindsley has handled protections for most of his career and been very involved in building game plans and things like that. So um, that makes sense. But obviously if you have, if you have time to prepare for it, 
then you're able to to really be able to attack it. And obviously, Justin Herbert can can take on a larger role in that regard, and so can Matt Filer. And obviously, you know, the Chargers do have two offensive line coaches. So um, I feel okay about that aspect of the injury report. If Corey Lindsay has to play, I think Will Clapp, Will Clapp will be fine. What's less ideal is obviously having two backup tackles in this kind of matchup where Max Crosby, even though his numbers are not necessarily where they were at last year, I mean, he still is just a, a, a game wrecker capable of, of just going off at any moment. So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about those numbers officially in a second here, but, um, you know, this is, it's going to be another game like San Francisco where the Chargers are going to have to be able to be on top of their, their pass protection scheme and, and chip with tight ends and double team and max protect and bootleg and RPO and do all these things. And if they do it the right way, then they should be fine. But, uh, as we saw in the San Francisco game, at some point you have to get into your regular offense. And at some point, you know, these guys are going to have to hold up one-on-one against Max Crosby. I will, I will say the big advantage compared to the San Francisco game is Gerald Everett um, being out there because uh, he was not sure. out there in the San Francisco game. So, I mean, if you're talking about blocking and chipping with tight ends and stuff, uh, I, you know, obviously don't feel great about this offensive line, but feel much more comfortable having Everett there than McKitty is tight end one. Yes, I, <laughs> yes, I feel the same way. Absolutely. Uh, this uh, tight end room, man, I, uh, I love it so much. It's so much fun to watch every single week on tape. I'm taking a tight end in like the second round of my mock <laughs> next year. Everyone's gonna hate my mock drafts next year. I'm gonna take like an edge rusher, a tight end two, a running back. Like it's gonna be disgusting. But yeah, hey man. I mean, if it's me, like right now, again, it's November 30th. But if it's me, I'm taking whoever the best pass rusher is in the first round. And in the second round, I'm taking Dalton Kincaid or Darno Washington or whatever <laughs> best tight end is is available because uh, the free agency tight end group is atrocious and the Chargers tight end room is atrocious. So, uh, yeah, give me a top 50 tight end next year, please. This is where we're at, <laughs> but we're not ready for the draft yet. Are we? No, I've like started to like dip my toes in a little bit, not watching film or anything like that, but I read a, a mock draft. I read Dane Brugler's mock draft today. I didn't know who half the players were, but you know, I read it. And <laughs> he had the Chargers taking some defensive lineman from Iowa, and I had to message uh, Thomas Martinez. I don't know if he's in here tonight, but I had to message Thomas and was like, "Hey, who is this guy? Like, what? Like, is he an actual first rounder? Like, what is this?" So uh, that's where my draft experience is at right now. Is he an edge rusher? He's kind of like, uh, I guess Brugler is projecting him best as like a like a five technique kind of player, but. Uh, he does play on the edge for Iowa, but Iowa Iowa runs a four three. Okay, well I'll have to watch. If the Chargers <laughs> hit eight or nine losses, I think that that could be you know mock draft territory for a podcast. Yeah, I mean but once the, once they're actually, uh, eliminated from the the playoffs, I think then at that point I'll start uh, you know diving in. Yeah, Teresa pointing out that some guys have seeing them taking the nose tackle from Baylor and I'm like what are we what are we doing a nose tackle in the first round again come on all right uh let's uh really dive into this Raiders matchup now as we do every single week we're going to talk about the we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Things that the Chargers need to do in order to secure a victory formation at the end of the game. So, uh, Tyler, do you want to go first or Alex, you want to go first? I can go. I'm already unmuted and ready to rock, I guess. All right, Tyler, go ahead. Well, there's this guy, Josh Jacobs, who just had 303 yards last uh, last game against the Seahawks at 220-something or whatever it was rushing. Granted, 85 of those were in overtime. Still, 303 total yards is insane. Um, he's, I'm sure, a little bit sore this week. The Chargers looked much better against the run. Okay, this is asking a lot of Staley. Chargers look much better against the run, no surprise, when they had three defensive tackles out there, whether it was some com- combination of, you know, Fajoko, Gaziano, and Sebastian Joseph Day, Fox in there, whatever. They were so much better against the run, but they have this thing where they just want to run nickel out there all the time and get Bryce Callahan on the field. And Staley's talked about it. I don't want to give up a 40 yard pass. I don't want to give up a deep bomb for a touchdown. That's great. Still, giving up, you know, seven yards of carry and some 40-yard runs anyway isn't great either. I understand if you look at the Raiders week one and say, okay, with the weapons they have, we probably have to throw out nickel more. Whatever. I get it. And Bryce Callahan, it sucks to have to take him off the field because he's one of your best defensive players. But you don't have Waller this week, and you don't have Renfro. I love Mac Hollins. I, I think I'm a huge fan of his, honestly. Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. But you don't really have to rely on stopping the pass as much, even though Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league. It's less worrisome than it was week one. And I think the Chargers really do need to try to lean into more three defensive tackle looks because they're just better as a a more complete team that way. Maybe they'll give up some more passing yards than they would if they were a nickel. But I think just being a more complete balanced team would be good this week. And it's a good week to try it because you're not facing as many weapons as you would have seen week one, or even against the Cardinals. Like it is Derek Carr throwing to Devontae Adams. That can't be dangerous, but it's Adams. And then it's kind of Mac Hollins. To me, I want them to stop Josh Jacobs. Or at least I want them to try to be more balanced to stop Josh Jacobs. So for me, my victory formation, my key to victory here is just be balanced. Try to get more three defensive tackle looks out there. Also because Braden Fajoko and Joe Gaziano, I think are playing pretty well. Yeah, I think Morgan Fox is also playing the run pretty yeah. well right now mm-hmm. as well. So the Chargers have, like we said, like their defensive tackle room is not the problem right now. Like I think if you objectively look at the the reasoning why the Chargers are giving up a lot of, you know, uh, yards on the ground, it's that teams know that they can attack Kyle Van Oy, Chris Rumpf, 
Derek Tuska, whoever is opposite of Khalil Mack, and then you can isolate Kenneth Murray, and then you can isolate the secondary, and that's been the issue, right? Like the Cardinals are primarily an inside zone rushing team, and they went right at the edge for the Chargers last week, and, and they were not making any jokes about it. So um, it's just been, you know, whatever the Chargers are are getting into these heavier packages, they are able to stop the run. It's just been whenever they want to start out in nickel or they want to start out in penny or whenever they want to start out in these sub packages, they just they do not have the horses to, you know, clear enough gaps for the secondary and the linebackers to to go out there and make plays. And that's just been a big issue. So I think that's a great point. And um, I absolutely concur. They should play a lot of more base package. The Raiders do run a lot of two tight end looks. They run Jakob Johnson, their fullback a lot as well. So this is, you know, this, this has kind of become a little bit more of an old school Patriots offense where they want to just, you know, muck up these games and run Josh Jacobs into the ground. I mean, talking about 240 yards on the ground or whatever it was against the Seahawks, the Seahawks run defense is, is legitimately good. So, um, this is a game where, where Josh McDaniels is going to say, Hey, if you're not going to stop the run, I'm just going to keep doing it. And Josh Jacobs is going to have another huge game. So, uh, I think that's a, a great call, Tyler. Yeah. And, and McDaniels has said that he didn't really know because we should go from the Patriots and they have a big stable of backs, right? Fantasy football, don't pick a Patriots running back because there's four of them and Belichick will start one of them. So he's not really used to having this workhorse kind of guy, but he's learned to trust someone like Josh Jacobs. We're like, oh, he doesn't actually really get tired as you move into the third and fourth quarter. You can keep feeding him. McDaniels has started and he said as much. He's trusting him more and more and more the more he gets to know him. And you obviously saw that last week. There's no reason to get away from that from him uh, this week. Yeah, I just always thought it was so weird before the season. They were like, the way they played Josh Jacobs in the preseason. And like at one point it was this weird competition. They declined the fifth year option, which to me is like one of the weirdest moves for a guy who's like consistently been like a top. He's been good. Yeah. In the league, like especially what he can give you when he's on uh, and, and not injured. I mean, I just thought that was a weird move from them, but I mean, um, depending on, well, I guess we'll see if they give them a, him a contract in the off season. Uh, you know, I don't know, but Josh Jacobs has certainly earned it. Um, you know, I've sort of given up on the run defense, sadly. Um, I think giving up 120 yards or whatever they gave up to James Conner has sort of got me at the point where I'm like, Josh Jacobs is kind of going to do his thing. And it's up to the Chargers in the other areas of the game, so to speak, to figure out if they can survive the rest of it. Um, I'll talk about being a little bit more balanced, but being a little bit more balanced on the offense. Uh, the Raiders are giving up, if I'm looking correctly, about 120 rushing yards per game. Um, and the Chargers in three of their last four games have under 100 rushing yards. Uh, last week, Justin Herbert was their leading rusher with 38 rushing yards. Um, of course, that comes with the caveat that they started the game down 10 nothing, which changed a lot of their you know game script early on. Uh, and sort of the plays they can run because they were playing from behind. But the Chargers have been doing that a lot in the last month, starting down games 10-0 and starting down games 13-0 and then being like, all right, let's get back in this, right? So um, I would say that just starting off on more even footing this game is going to be really important, controlling the tempo, much like they did in the first Chargers-Raiders game back all the way in week one. 
Um, they really haven't done that in a game in a while. Even in these games they've been winning, it doesn't really feel, feel like they've controlled the tempo or like controlled the pace of the game, so to speak, uh, really since that first Raiders game. And so, you know, being able to see that, Austin Eckler running the ball, um, you just sort of hope for an effort that is much more like the Chiefs game, where it just feels a lot more balanced. He had 19 carries for, I think, 83 yards in that game. Um, and, you know, overall, a good output from the rushing attack. Not expecting anything remotely close to, like, what the Chargers' rushing output was against the Browns or against the Texans or anything. Um, but I do think this is a game where the Chargers just sort of need to have it together in their own run game, just because if you don't, like, I do think this kind of becomes a little bit more one-dimensional fairly quickly. Of course, you have Justin Herbert, but, I mean, if he's under pressure from potentially, you know, Chandler Jones um, and Max Crosby all day, like, that could turn pretty ugly fast if he, you know, is waiting for routes to develop and doesn't have these, like, easy, you know, running back uh, running back yards uh, just to be able to rely on on certain downs. Doesn't mean that you do a lot of first and second down runs either, which have also sort of been the bane of the Chargers offensive times. But I just think in general needs to be a little bit more balanced. No, I, I totally agree. That was going to be a, a very similar point that I was going to bring up in terms of, uh, you know, protecting Justin Herbert in different ways and also protecting the the offensive line by running the football. So I think you could really tell that the Cardinals really just did not they didn't think that the Chargers were going to run the ball at all, and they were just completely selling out against the pass, which I think led to a lot of the uh, pass protection issues last week. So um, this week, you're obviously talking about a much different beast. Like the 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 Cardinals do it from blitzing, the Raiders do it from having uh, at least one premier edge rusher in Max Crosby, and um, you know maybe Chandler Jones has it figured out. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far yet. Um, but this is going to be a big, a big challenge as it always is. Max Crosby, we've seen him play extremely well against the Chargers, even back to when Philip Rivers was still here. So, um, they absolutely have to do a much more concerted effort to stay within the run game and be able to allow their uh offensive linemen to have some kind of balance and be able to stay ahead of the sticks. So, Alex, I think that's a great point. That's that's one of the points that I was going to bring up. and. Um, we never need the Chargers to be like this ground and pound, uh, you know, give Austin Eckler 20 carries and Joshua Kelly 15 carries kind of team. Like, that's just not that's not how you you build an effective game plan around the Chargers. Right. But I mean, Joshua Kelly gets two carries, Isaiah Spiller, two carries like that's just that's not enough last week. And the Cardinals are not exactly a great defense against the run either. So um, this is definitely a game where the Chargers have to stay ahead of the sticks, both because this Raiders defense is very opportunistic, but also because the Raiders offense is somebody that can really get hot. And I know people don't want to, you know, give compliments to the Raiders defense, but, or the Raiders offense, excuse me, but uh, Derek Carr and Devonte Adams and Josh Jacobs, they're doing a great job and they haven't had Darren Waller all year. They haven't had Hunter Renfro all year. They've played like 17 different offensive line uh, combinations and they're still a top 10 offense. They're fifth in yards per play. They're 10th in total yards. They're 10th in, in total points. They're, I think, 12th in DVOA. So um, this is a game where if the Chargers get behind, I don't know if they'll be able to come back like we've seen them against these other teams who have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback or who, uh, you know, the Cardinals kind of have those that 
weird stretch at the end where they do three, three and out. So uh, this in, in general, I think the Chargers have to stay in a positive game script, stay ahead of the chains on offense, run the football at a higher level, protect Justin Herbert that way, and also allow your young offensive line to get into a bit more of a rhythm than we've seen over the last few weeks. Yeah, but they had, what, nine carries as a team against yeah. the Cardinals? <laughs> yeah, outside of Austin Eckler, yeah, it was like nine for 30 yards or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, can't do that again. All right, uh, let's get to our key matchups. Of course, uh, I'm sure somebody's going to talk about Mr. Max Crosby himself, but uh, Alex, we'll start with you for key matchups. What's your uh, matchup you're most watching on Sunday? I'm going to say not the Max Crosby one. I am going to say the Chandler Jones one. Um, Max Crosby versus Foster Harrell. Look, um, you just kind of got to take your L and move on there. Um, I'm not expecting anything. I mean, if you know, you're sort of looking at like what that game could be. Um, Max Crosby is probably getting at the very least seven to nine pressures like that. that that's probably what's going to happen against Foster Sarrell. So at this point, you're sort of baking that into the equation. Um, I, I would say Just that Jamari's, for what it's worth, uh, Nick Bosa did have nine against the Chargers a couple weeks yeah. ago. Um, and, and Max Crosby, like I, I think even this season has been almost better than Nick Bosa. Uh, on the edge, like just as a pass rusher. So, yeah, I, I just think this game comes down to the other side of the line, and I'm looking at Jamari Salier potentially versus Chandler Jones here. Um, Jamari Salier, I think, started out the season really hot. Uh, you know, in his first few games, has certainly come down back to earth like a rookie should, you know, who's starting along the offensive line, who's not named Rashawn Slater, right? Like, this is usually how the rookie seasons kind of go. Uh, in terms of having their like peaks and valleys, we've seen really uh, elite play from Jamari Salier times and also, you know, more like the last few weeks. Um, but if Jamari Salier has it turned on against Chandler Jones, I think that that gives the Chargers a huge advantage in this game, uh, considering what they're dealing with uh, the rest of the line, right? You have the Corey Lindsley concussion issue, Zion Johnson, right? It, not that this is a Raiders interior that I fear, but Zion Johnson hasn't had like the best couple games, plus filer you know the regression that we've seen all year like yeah maybe filer has like one of his 2021 performances but that's not something that i'm going to bank on uh relative to you know what the expectation should be uh so for me i i think this is if i'm talking about a key matchup it is uh jamari sally versus chandler jones who of course woke up against the seahawks and decided to decided to turn the back the page to 2021 uh and he of course had uh, eight pressures and three hits, uh, like I said earlier, in the fumble recovery. So this is a big uh, game for the offensive line, like in general. But, you know, I feel like it's very just cliche to be like, oh, whoever's guarding Max Crosby, like you're not stopping him. Like I, I would feel very <laughs> weird. I, I would feel like even if Trey Pipkins was healthy, I, I do think he could do a good enough job on Max Crosby. But, you know, at this point, like I think the char- any anyone the Chargers throw out there, that really is not Rashawn Slater on Max Crosby is probably an L. Uh, and so yeah, I think you just kind of got to take your lumps there. So at this point, I'm looking at the other side of the offensive line in that regard. For what it's worth, I did I, I did think that Trey Pipkins played pretty well in week one against yeah. the, I mean, he only, allowed, he only allowed two pressures. I think Crosby had mm-hmm. uh, seven total. But um, yeah, so overall, not a bad game for Trey Pipkins, you know, in that respect. 
but right. I just think what the standard should be for Max Crosby in these games uh, is, is probably just not uh, not feasible uh, in terms of like shutting him down. Like you're just not going to have that kind of game against him. Yeah, and obviously, you know, his ability as a run defender is is also fantastic. So, um, reality had this uh, point here, and I wanted to bring it up. Uh, you know, about Chandler Jones and his arm length and experience, um, you know, being something that worries him when rushing against Jamari Sawyer. So I wanted to, to dive in a little bit more here with Jamari Sawyer from what I've seen. And I think, you know, the, the Chargers have done a really good job allowing him to to play to his own strengths. You know, they're not asking him to try and, and replicate exactly what made Rashawn Slater Rashawn Slater. And so if you really sit down and watch what Jamari Seller has done, you'll see a lot more quick sets, a lot more jump sets than really what you saw what you saw from Rashawn Slater last year, who uh, frankly could do anything and uh, work any kind of set to his advantage and any hand striking technique and, and just be one of the most versatile offensive linemen in the league as a rookie, um, which is is just insane, you know, watching these other tackles. So um, they've they've allowed Jamari to, to lean into his strengths. They've allowed him to use his size which that is, that is his calling card, right? Like he is, he's a massive human being. Um, and for the most part, I would say that he's done well against edge rushers who are, you know, longer and a little bit more twitchy, at least more so than people I think would expect. If you really sit down and watch where Jamari has struggled, it's been guys that can actually get into his chest and, and outpower him. Um, so you're talking about JJ Watt this past week. You're talking about Miles Garrett. Um, you're talking about Bradley Chubb a little bit in, in that matchup. So I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about Chandler Jones from a power perspective and being able to, to do that to Jamari. I think absolutely Chandler can, can certainly use his length, which he've, uh, you know, he has an incredible track record of, of being one of the best long arm players in the league. But I, I think Jamari should be relatively fine in this game. Um, because I don't think that he has the, that Chandler Jones that it doesn't have the power to, you know, make Jamari get off of his spot consistently, like we've seen from from other guys like JJ Watt, Miles Garrett, and uh, Bradley Chubb, like I mentioned. Yeah, I'm glad you keyed into that. Um, would you like to take a few minutes to talk about Zion and him not being a bust, as some of Twitter? <laughs> yeah, the Zion discourse on Twitter has been really frustrating because. I understand, like, you know, we were all expecting Zion to be fantastic this season, and, and you know, he hasn't been, and I think that's a fair assessment. He's definitely struggled um, in certain situations, but if you really sit down and watch what the Chargers are doing, they're really trying to protect Matt Filer, and they're really double-teaming a lot on that side. So Zion has been on an island quite a lot this season as a rookie, and, um, you know, there are certainly some matchups where he's not been um any positive matchup for what i would say you know the, the niners put edge rushers on him the the cardinals have jj watt like he's he's certainly taken some lumps against some you know premier edge rushers or premier defensive tackles and he does struggle a little bit iding certain stunts and certain blitzes um but that's all natural for a rookie into your offensive lineman it's one of the hardest positions to come in and be an all pro immediate impact player so I think Zion has taken some lumps, but I think if you really watch what they do in the run game when they do run the ball, Zion is almost always at the center of how they run the football. And they've really keyed in on his ability as a run blocker, whether that is pulling, whether that is, you know, his ability to work double teams, get to the second level, 
like Zion is absolutely, absolutely making a strong impact. Does he have some tough moments in pass, pass, pass protection? Absolutely. Um, but he's also played with a rotating door at right tackle, a rotating door at center. He's playing a different position than the one he played in college. So I'm not worried about Zion Johnson at all. I think his PFF grades do not do him justice for the way that he is playing. Um, I think there are certainly fair criticisms for sure. But I think Zion has had some incredibly impressive moments. And like I mentioned, he is the focal point of their rushing attack. And when it works, it's because of Zion Johnson. Yeah, no, I would agree. I was surprised with it's tough because if you look at the games, it's unfortunate because he has, I think it was Jeff Schwartz mentioned it earlier this offseason, like an offensive line can play phenomenally an entire game. But you give up that one sack and you play like shit, you suck. And it, it's just not the case. Like it, it's almost kind of similar with with Zion, where the one play, you know, and, and yeah. a very important plays, unfortunately, but that really gets him. That really sticks out. But overall, you watch the film, and it's like, okay, that's a great run block. He's pulling here. He looks fantastic. Um, I believe last time I checked, there were only two rookies um, in the entire NFL at guard tackle um, that have a higher pass blocking efficiency, like just for reference, it's not like he's bad for a rookie or anything. Yes. We expected him to do, you know, better early on. I think he's taken, you know, some lumps, like you said, he's struggled, but I also think part of our expectation for him, like you can literally see our reaction when they drafted him is that we thought he was playing left guard where he was more natural. This switch to right guard really did change the calculus of how it was going to take for him to adjust and doing that between, you know, half and half Corey Lindsley, half and half Trey Pipkins. It's been tough. And like you said, he's been more on an island and, and Filer's really been the one that has been struggling. So I think Zion is being is completely fine. Um, I think Arjun has even pointed out st- statistically that the learning curve for guards is one of the hardest in the NFL. Um, he'll be fine is what I'm trying to say. And I agree with you, Steven. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't even looked this up until you just mentioned it, but um if you sort all rookies with 50 percent of their team snaps the only three players higher than him are two centers tyler linderbaum and, mm-hmm. and luke fortner and they get they get significantly fewer one-on-ones and then icky Iquanu uh mm-hmm. is the only tackle or guard higher than him so um you know he's tied for fourth with cole strange uh and abraham lucas in pass blocking efficiency right now so Zion's doing just fine. I, again, I think he's just he he's had some tough moments, but the, if you really sit down and watch, he is the like he, he's the one that they are isolating one on one. They are telling you that they feel better about Zion Johnson where he's at pass protection wise than Matt Filer, who they're consistently sending help towards. And if you watch the opportunities where Zion is free and he is able to help, he's doing a freaking awesome job of helping whoever is the right tackle. So. You know, Zion has a lot of strengths, and I think we are seeing those. But again, like you mentioned, you know, he'll give up a sack here, a pressure there, a knockdown there, and everybody wants to make him out to be a bust. But, you know, the numbers are really good, and the film is really good. So he's doing fine. He's having a good rookie season. Obviously, we wish <laughs> we wish everybody could come in and be Rashawn Slater. That's just <laughs> not the reality of offensive line play as rookies. Yeah, if you want to see a bus play football, watch um, the guy on the defensive side of the ball play linebacker. <laughs> Damn. Um, all right, we'll uh, mention some key matchups here as well. Um, you know, I, I think I really want to – I'm very curious to see how 
they go about the Devontae Adams game this week? Because obviously in week two, or excuse me, in week one without J.C. Jackson, it was a lot of Asante Samuel Jr. one-on-one. And we've seen, you know, Asante's been kind of the guy that gets a lot of targets for the Chargers. Um, I don't know if that's going to continue this week. We've seen Michael Davis have some good moments as well. Um, but Devontae is is damn near 1,000 yards. He's still been a, an incredibly productive receiver. Um, I don't know if they can go about the game plan the same way that they did last time. And again, we, we credited Asante for battling and having his moments, right? But if you're going to give up, you know, 15 targets or whatever it was and 12 receptions for 140 yards, I don't know if I feel good about your chances in replicating the the successful moments on defense in this matchup. So um, I, I think they have to do a better job of double teaming, shading coverage, not allowing Devontae Adams to just be the focal point of the Raiders passing game. You know, make Matt Collins beat you, make whoever else is is the other guys uh, in their passing attack beat you because I don't think that you can really be successful if you're allowing Devontae Adams to go off for 140 and a couple of touchdowns this week. Yes, it, it was a valiant effort the last time they played, but it was a valiant effort to the tune of you know, 108 yards or whatever just to Adams and a touchdown. Did have a great pass breakup, did have a great interception, but there's playing very well and there's, you know, Good for you, dude. You did a really good job, and they're going to have to <laughs> play a bit better than that um, this time around. But I think Asante Zemo Jr. has grown a bit, so we'll see how that goes. It'll be fun to watch. If anything else, it's the most entertaining matchup. It, it's a tough spot because they can't really just do what they did in the Cardinals game and be like, okay, Michael Davis, you go get DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like, they, they sort of can't really do that. Like, if it's Michael Davis, you, you can't just can't do it against Devontae Adams, right? Like, I mean, Devontae is a little bit, I think, too shifty. You're not, like, just asking big body to go against big body there. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of – this is a game where this is kind of what you signed J.C. Jackson for, and I mean, because of, you know, how that's played out this year, unfortunately, with the injury, Chargers have kind of been scrambling ever since. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I wish that there was like an easy answer here, but you probably just have to get away with, you know, potentially sending help Asante Samuel Jr.'s way on a couple plays and then, you know, living with, you know, the byproduct of covering Devontae Adams, unfortunately, the rest of the game. I didn't realize this. Uh, Matt Collins actually has 40 catches for 531 yards and three touchdowns mm-hmm. this year. You know, they've made him. I want the, no uh... one to talk about him. I want Matt Collins so bad. I'm such a huge <laughs> fan of Matt Collins, dude. Yeah, it was uh, low key a, a nice signing by them. Yeah, uh, he's. I think he's definitely exceeded their expectations. I mean, uh, Hunter Renfro, their next best receiver after that, with uh, 21 catches and 192 yards. So. Not getting a ton of uh, receiver production outside of Devontae and Mac. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Big Keelan Cole, six catches, 75 yards. Super Bowl champion, Mac Collins. It's more than Keelan Doss, though. (laughs) I actually would have been a a fan of signing Keelan Cole uh, after Keenan Allen got hurt. But, you know, or I guess Jalen Guyton, either way. Um, did we do three key matchups? I, I forget at this point. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go. Let's move on here. And get to some bold predictions. I think we we talked about an offensive line uh, a lot, so my my brain's all there. So uh, appreciate that conversation. But um, all right, bold prediction this week. Um, 
I went bold with Joshua Kelly last week. It did not pay off. Uh, they did not give him the ball very much. Um, but I think what we will see in this game is uh, a reemergence from uh, Joshua Palmer. So I'm going from one Joshua to another Joshua. I think we get uh, a 100-yard game from Mr. Joshua Palmer. I'd love it. That'd be great. That sounds really, really good. Um, also for my fantasy team. Um, did it, <laughs> wait, did I beat Steven last week? I think I did. I finally won. Something. I don't know. I, I I set my lineup and that's it. That that league is too depressing for me at this point. <laughs> yeah, sorry for giving you Kyle Pitts. Um, okay. Yeah. My bold prediction. Okay. I think it's going to happen. He can beat Joe Tooney and, and get a holding call. Or maybe it was Creed. <laughs> He can stop Travis Kelsey on a shovel pass. He can beat up the Cardinals' backup center. By golly, I think with as immobile as Derek Carr is, I think Braden Pahoko gets a sack this week. I'm going. Let's with go, Braden Pahoko <laughs> sack. He's got one pressure, I think, his entire career. Um, <laughs> but he's going to get a sack this week because he's, he's played kind of well. And I think he if you're going to do it, Raiders' interior is not that great. Derek Carr is not that mobile. I think you get a uh, a sack from Brady Fajoko this week. I love it. I love it. My bold prediction is a will clap legacy game that forces <laughs> what that, does that, for- even look like? <laughs> that forces Jerry Tillery to be put into a blender, and he has three <laughs> missed tackles on the day. Uh, wow. That is three times more than any he's had in a game. So I, I think the Chargers get the better of the Jerry Tillery revenge game this week. Because Jerry Tillery's going <laughs> to Will miss. clap legacy game. <laughs> Will clap legacy game incoming. Back, to, you know, and combined with Justin Herbert legacy drives, uh, I think we, we, we need some clap propaganda here because they need it this week. God. Um, but yeah. Bro. <laughs> Jerry Tillery, this is going to be so. I'm going to be so upset if they let this happen. But Jerry Tillery has not. <laughs> he does not have a single pressure yet with the Raiders. He's a he, he, oh, he doesn't have a single. He doesn't guess, have a single, guess what? He no, he's rushed the passer pressure with the Raiders, and I see. Raiders no, he's, fans on he has Twitter 30, he's 39 pass rush reps with the Raiders in two games so far, and he has zero pressures. His win rate is literally 1.5 percent right now. Yeah, <laughs> and I see Raiders fans on Twitter being like. Oh, you know, the Tillery signing really opened up Chandler Jones this week. I'm like, you think Tillery's <laughs> the reason fucking Chandler Jones is good? Like, what are we talking well, about? Maybe he's like, oh, God, I can't be worse than Jerry Tillery. I'm going to ass. But, like, I'm like, they're so delusional. I'm like, what are we talking about? I, uh, oh man, if they let Jerry Tillery get loose, I'm going to be so upset. If they're, if they're the ones that, you know, make Raiders fans think that he was a great addition, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, I definitely haven't seen a, a former Chargers get a, uh, revenge play in Vegas. You know, haven't seen that Never before. Happened. No. Never happened. Nope. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> Christian Hernandez says Terry Tillery two sacks now. <laughs> that would be so bad for my no, mental health. It's, it's going, it's going one or the other. <laughs> sorry, not happening. Will clap legacy game. Yeah, let's go. Will clap and uh, obviously everybody else. So, um, all right, guys. Uh, I think that's that's it for tonight. So, uh, are there any final thoughts before we head out? Please don't let Jerry Tillery do this. Um, <laughs> I would rather lose and hear 
all the Dolphins fans, and after you hear Raiders fans praise Jerry Tillery for his two sack performance against the Chargers. Yeah, Kelsey is right. They should absolutely run every play at Jerry Tillery wherever he's at. Just do the same kind of treatment that we had to watch for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I mean, Alex, any final thoughts, man? Maybe Jerry Tillery can finally pay the Chargers back and we get another hundred yard rushing game. I mean, that's that would be you know the real payoff to the Jerry Tillery tenure. Uh, yeah, I hope that the Chargers get the ground game going against the Raiders, hoping for a win there to give people a little bit of positivity heading into the Dolphins game. Now that that's been flexed into Sunday night football, uh, that is the Chargers color rush game and the Chargers are six and one wearing the Royal blues. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know if that it it plays defense on Tyreek Hill, uh, but it's a stat (laughs) 12th man, baby. I'll be there. Yeah. Did, speaking of 12th man, did you guys see that video of the Seahawks defensive player running onto the <laughs> yeah. field after the interception? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nobody called it. <laughs> oh man, that that's a good poll, Alex. That's a good poll. Royal Royal Color Rush. I'm glad they're not wearing the navies. That's for damn sure. Nope. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I'm excited for this game though, man. I think this is gonna be a a, a good classic, you know, Chargers Raiders game down to the wire. So mm-hmm. uh we'll have all of that covered. Um in some other good news, I guess, uh Chargers Analytics will be back uh live tomorrow afternoon since I'm back in my uh own house. Arjun and I are gonna be uh you know bringing the show back a little bit. So both of us have been pretty busy with other things. So uh, we'll have Chargers Analytics live tomorrow afternoon. And then, of course, our uh, regular Saturday morning show as well. So um, lots of uh, pre-Raiders coverage coming your guys' way. And then we'll, of course, have our uh, post-game show after the game is officially over. So uh, appreciate everybody in the chat today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you are listening to this, make sure to leave us a rating or review. We always appreciate all that positive feedback on there as well. Um, thank you to anybody who's been tagging us today in the uh, Spotify. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. I, I don't know. I don't have Spotify, but the, the rankings or whatever. Yeah. What's it called, Alex? Spotify wrapped. Spotify wrapped. There we go. Because I guess it's the, the year is coming to an end. So uh, appreciate everybody for uh, tagging us there. So that's going to do it for us tonight. We will uh, see you guys later. And as always, bold up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.